0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Life of Growth and Peace podcast. It is I, Coach Gazi, or some of you know me as Jazzy Jazz, or just Jazz, or or however you may know me as. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode. And if you are new here, I thank you. I welcome you with open arms. I am sending love and all these other amazing things your way. If you are a returning subscriber, hey, how you doing today? I missed you, woo woo. um welcome 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 guys i am so happy to be here and to have the opportunity to do this again recording these podcasts and these episodes and things like that just um sharing my life experiences with you guys and stuff of that nature so if you are new here i tell all my business in hopes that it will help you to attain a life of growth and peace, be it things that I've I've experienced, things that I've been through, just my own personal situations or stories that I tell. You know, sometimes we may not be in a particular situation, but because we know someone who was in said situation, sometimes it helps us to be able to get through those things and even give advice to people we know just based on someone else's experience and things of that nature. So I hope my hope and my prayer is that I can be that for you. If I'm not a person who has been in your shoes before and a situation that you've been in I hope that I'm a person and you're like hey you know Jazz has been through this and if she can get through that if this was her experience then surely I can help my sister my cousin my brother my friend you know give them a little bit of insight and then you can lead them with hey you know I don't know what you're going through personally I don't know your situation personally but I heard this person this girl say one time and then you can go from there So welcome, welcome, welcome. And let's go ahead and get started. Today, what I want to talk to you guys about is the narrative of if God is real, then why? And this had been really heavy on me for a while so it's something that i think about it's something that has been my own personal experience and um i just want to talk to you guys about it i i this has been i'm looking at my notes now right this is from march 29th at 3:18 a.m. um prior to this for maybe about a week or so This has been like heavy on my head, just different scenarios. You know, people saying, if God is real, then why this? If God is real, then why that? I'd actually been there and I'm going to read the note, how I've written it out. I'm going to read it verbatim and then we can go from there just expressing how we felt and our own experience concerning it, right? Or my experience concerning it. And if you have an experience concerning it, you know, you can send me an email at lifeofpeace2020 at gmail.com and we can go ahead and discuss it. I can talk about it on an episode, um, make it a continuation. Or, or um, if you don't wanna send me an email, I do have an Instagram I don't use it, but I do have it. It is growth and peace, just growth and peace, one word. And you can go ahead and reach out to me that way. So I'm going to go ahead and get this thing started. So this is from March 29th, 2022 at 318 AM. And it says, if God is real, then why? A lot of times we say, or I hear, if God is real, then why? And we have to hold people accountable for their actions. It's so easy to say God is the reason a person did a certain thing, when in all actuality, the person needs to be held accountable. God is a God of love and compassion, and we have to understand that. We as humans have free will. So it's easy to say God made a person do or act a certain way, when in all actuality, the person chose to behave in such a manner. From early on, we understand right and wrong. It's innate. We know right from wrong, but it's easy to place the blame anywhere but ourselves. 1 John 4 and 12, the word itself says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete, whole within us. People are so concerned with an external God that they can see and touch that they continuously overlook the fact that God lives within us. 3 John verse 2, which is the mission statement of life of growth and peace, says, Beloved, I wish above all else that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. A prospering soul is one that is healing from old trauma and baggage. One that is learning to be and do better so we can be better and have better. The Bible is full of everyday people who experienced life but chose to be different and better. Even Jesus himself had a hard life. But people are so focused on the negative of it all. So blinded by the enemy that all you can see is the bad in this world. Not even recognizing that, yes, God created this world, but we as humans, and also the enemy or the devil, have ruled in this earthen realm. We literally have to implore God to come in and move on our behalf. 1 John 5 and 19 says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. So let's not forget that there are people who worship the devil, evil spirits, and the literal earth itself, not recognizing that God spoke and things happened. What are you speaking? I literally learned one year how much power my words had, and it changed my life. And instead of if God is real, then why X, Y, Z, How about if people had love, then they would X, Y, Z. Or if people had compassion, they would X, Y, Z. If people were accountable, they would X, Y, Z. If people were considerate, blah, blah, blah. And the year that I learned From my personal experience that God is real and if God is real, blah, 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 was the year that I had my son. So, many of you don't know, but in 2017, seven days after my birthday, I gave birth to a baby that was dead. I I had a stillbirth. And, um... This was like the worst pregnancy of my life. I am not even lying. I could not even keep down water. Water would make me vomit. Raw food made me sick. And at the time, I I I did smoke weed, marijuana, whatever, whatever have you. And um, that was the only way I would be able to eat. And even that didn't really help. Um it just eased the nausea because I was so sick and I had to cook. I had to cook for myself. I had to do, you know, um, I had a two year old or three year old at the time, you know, Cheyenne was still little and I had to take care of her and I was pregnant and it was just awful. I remember like the first six weeks just sleeping. So I think from like, I think I, I, I think I found out around right before Halloween so from maybe a week or two before Halloween, all the way through to like the beginning of December, I just remember waking up to do whatever had to be done. Um, if we had to go somewhere because um, me and Cheyenne's dad at the time, my boyfriend at the time. So we were, we were with the network marketing company. So we had to do business meetings and briefs and, um, have people over for a private business meeting, which we, we would have like people come over, print the paperwork, you know, do an orientation or a presentation of with the business and see if they wanted to sign up. If they wanted to join as um, a member or a part of our team, or if they wanted to be a part of just have the product itself. And so I remember just only waking up and going to the business events, like to the, on Thursdays at seven for, for like six weeks. Like I only remember going to events and that was it. That's all, that's all I remember. And the fact that I couldn't eat. So I literally could not eat. I'll wake up in the morning. I would take a hot, hot bath and I would try to drink water while I was in the bath, but it, made me so oh it just made me so nauseous that I couldn't even keep the water down and I remember like as soon as I would drink the water I would throw it right back up but it's like there was nothing else I could do and so um that happened for weeks like I guess the whole first trimester it was really really a hard pregnancy um just physically hard. Um, It just, it it was definitely different than anything I'd ever experienced. And so, yeah, it was, it was so bad. Like, it was really, really bad. And I just remember being miserable because I couldn't eat. I, I just, all I could do was sleep so that I didn't feel, you know? And so January... I think January twenty-sixth. twenty, twenty-nine, yeah. January twenty-sixth, we were um having a business meeting with a couple of friends, and we were talking about this book that we had read. We were eating dinner, we were just hanging out, having a good time. And um my pants got wet. Like I peed on myself, but I didn't pee. And I'll just give you a synopsis of it. So that happened. And I was never in any pain. I didn't bleed. So I was like, well, let's just see what happens. And it was like really light pink, you know, nothing too dramatic. And so I didn't think anything of it. And the following day, it was a little more red. And I told Willie like, okay, let's go to the hospital because I'm not sure and we go to the hospital and, um, they tell me we can give you a pill so you can have a miscarriage. You can go upstairs and get an abortion. There's like a one in a million chance that this child will survive and all of these other things. And so I'm like, I'm going to take the one in a million chance. And so I leave the hospital still never in any pain. And, um, the following day, so this is now the, the 28th. Um, that night, literally we went out for a friend of ours for a birthday celebration dinner. And, um, I remember cause I ordered Buffalo wings and when I got the Buffalo wings, it made me nauseous and I did not eat them. And Willie ate the Buffalo wings and the fries. And I just sat at the table, just disgusted at my food because reading the menu, my mouth was literally watering for these Buffalo wings. And when I got them, I did not eat them. So it was like, (laughs) OMG. And so that night we get home, we're getting ready for bed. And um, Cheyenne just so happened to be with my mom. And I was getting dressed and Willie was like, what is that? And I'm like, what is what? And he's like, between your legs, what is it? And I look down and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think it's the umbilical cord. The umbilical cord. And so... We go through that process, we call 911, the ambulance comes, and we go to the, we go back to the hospital, and, um, they give me a pill to widen my cervix, and I, I'm in labor now. I'm in, I'm in active labor. And so, when I had my son, um, I felt it, you know, it was, like, very painful, but there was something that happened after and i'm i'm getting to the point of if god is real why um there were so many situations leading up to this where god had stepped in and intervened in my life um we were going through a lot at the time as like i think we are like what 26 year olds 25 26 something like that um We were just experiencing a lot, like life had really, life was throwing them hands. I heard somebody say yesterday, life was lifing and life was winning. Okay, life was kicking my behind, but I was literally like trying to stand firm. And so in this situation where I'm in labor and I give birth to my son, I think it's like five o'clock in the morning. I have him similar to the time I had Cheyenne. I think I had him like 520 and or six. I'm i I'm not sure I have the stuff, but I don't want to get it because whenever I touch it, I just have a, a complete emotional breakdown concerning that because it's like I gave birth to a child and I never got to raise and care for this child. But here's why I I go into, if God is real, why? And this is why I have a a different understanding of that and of my accountability in my life and what I did or did not contribute when I had this son. So a couple hours go by. So I had him, um, the, the lady came, she took the pictures Um, another, the chaplain came and she prayed and then they moved me to the recovery room, right? So I was in labor and delivery and they moved me to the recovery room. Um, after the chaplain, I don't know what she prayed. No idea what she prayed, but I know shortly after she left my room, I had a full on experience with God himself. I can't tell you the extent of what he said because I don't really remember. But what I do remember is him saying that neither me nor Willie were ready to raise this baby. That we would ruin this boy. That this boy is a king and you would not treat him as such. You don't have the adequate tools for him to be who I need him to be. And for years, I would be like, well, God said that Willie wasn't ready for this baby. And that's why we couldn't have the baby. But he didn't say that. He said, neither you nor Willie were ready for this baby. That's what he said. And it hurt so bad. Because what do you mean? I have a daughter already that I'm caring for and raising. But the the next part was this boy is a king. You do not have the adequate tools in order for him to be who I created for him to be, for who I'm calling him to be. You don't have the things necessary to make him. And if I'm being accountable for myself, I was not, I wasn't because life had dealt me so hard and there are people with a worse life and there are people with better circumstances who are worse off and there are people with worse circumstances who are better off. But from my personal experience, life was tearing me down and I didn't know. I barely knew how to be a mother to my daughter. So to be a mother to this little boy, I probably I probably would have ruined him. I mean, it's God. He knows. He made me, right? This is the first time I ever heard God's voice. I'd never heard him before. But what happened leading up to this was because I was in such a desperate and detrimental place, I was seeking the Lord. God, if you're real, help me. We need food. God, if you're real, I just need some help. I don't want to be in this situation, but I want to be better. Right. And I remember just praying. I just would pray because I needed help and I didn't know how to do it. And the chakras wasn't cutting it. And the spiritual realm wasn't cutting it. And the crystals and the a atheist and and none of those stones were doing anything for me right the the rock- the gratitude rocks weren't helping like none of it was working, and so it's like, well, God, I need your help like and it's funny because i and only a few people know this, so I guess the whole world knows this now, right at one point in my life, I was afraid to say Jesus because I thought it was a conspiracy theory. I thought that if I said Jesus, like whatever microphones or cameras that were circulating the earth would hear and would grant my wish, right? Or answer my prayer. So I would not say Jesus for a long time because I felt like I was being spied on. And as soon as I put Jesus on his prayer, it's going to happen just so it can get me to do the thing, you know, whatever it was, it was crazy, you know, young and ignorant, not knowing. So this is the first time I ever hear God and he tells me that I'm not ready for this child and I would ruin this child, right? Because I have to be accountable for the role that I played in it. And then I had to go home without this baby, knowing that I didn't have the adequate tools for him to be his best self. Which means I don't have the adequate tools for this daughter that's already here. And so I have to be better and I have to be different. And one thing... I remember reflecting on, like, while I was sitting in the hospital, is that little boys bring home their mom, right? You know, in some way, shape, or form. Like, we all know that children, you know, they they perpetuate or they, what, they attract whatever it is that's most dominant in their life. So if you're a little girl and your dad beats your mom, most likely you're going to be in abusive relationships. And sometimes it doesn't happen like that, but a lot of times it does just because it's what you see. It's a recognized behavior. It's conditioning, right? Because we're all in some sort of training. And so you're 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 in this situation. And I remember hearing something about a lady told a story about, you know, her mom told her that the more a man beats on you, the more he loves you. And that was so sad to me because some people really believe that and that's their experience. They feel like it's love and he loves me the most when he's doing this. And so I had to, I was sitting there reflecting and it just, I I guess now I can say it, the Holy Spirit revealed to me or it appeared in my spirit, like little boys bring home their mom. And if Pharaoh would, would bring you home, you, as of today, you and your right now self, would you be happy like would you be embracing this person that he brought to you and i had to I had to be honest because although I was a good person, emotionally, I wasn't available. I literally have not become emotionally available up until recently within this past two to three years. I acknowledge that I have emotions towards certain situations and that I have emotions, but because of my conditioning and my training, emotions weren't allowed. You would get in trouble if you allowed your feelings to have a place. And so feelings didn't have a place until I was almost 30 years old. I was like 28. First of all, I didn't even learn what what, what empathy was till I was 27 years old. That's first of all. I knew how to sympathize with somebody, but I never knew or understood empathy until I was 27 years old. That's a few years ago. And so I had to realize, like, if he brought me home, would I be happy? And then I had to go on a journey of what makes me a good person, what makes me a bad person and what things about me do i need to change should i change and can i change i had to be accountable in those ways and so what happened was um after after i lost the baby after i got home that day i began to journal more Journaling is something that I've always done, even as a child. It was just a way to express myself, and I enjoyed writing. And it's, it's, it's how I freed myself from whatever was troubling me. And home got hard because Willie didn't understand my grieving process because he didn't understand me. So I'm a type of person, if I'm going through something, I need time. I just need a moment to process to get my thoughts together but he's a person who wants to be um on you or he was a person because he's no longer there right so he just wants to be in your space and like there but i can't function that way it was like i couldn't breathe and so i would take these walks but i'll have to clear my head And I could have been like, well, God is not real because whenever I come home, there is resistance. There's a fight. There's something. It's always something. And I could, could, I could contribute that to, well, God, clearly you, you don't exist. Because you you took my baby away, right? Because who would take a baby away? It's a baby. The baby didn't ask to be here and blah, 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 right? I literally had to be accountable for the fact that I I wasn't ready for that baby. As I was... My thing was, God, this baby didn't ask to be here, but I'm not going to get rid of it. And I would do my best. But I... Honestly believe that, through that experience, it made me the person I am today. That whole situation with Willie with losing the baby with him me and him breaking up. everything that happened for the first few months of twenty seventeen made me who I am today and I will forever be grateful for it, but I could have took that same situation that I went through and cursed God and be like, clearly he doesn't exist because he took my baby away, me and my long-term boyfriend broke up, like my, I slept outside, like I could do all of those things like God doesn't exist because of this, right? But I had to be accountable for the fact that, you know, We couldn't handle, it was too much loss going on. We couldn't handle each other. It just, it ran its course. Like, I had to be honest about that. And then, too, he was super emotional and I was not. So he's like, I feel this way and I feel that way. And I'm like, okay, why do you have feelings? And so much so that I recognized that in my parenting, I was mad at Cheyenne because she had feelings towards certain situations. But I recognized that that was my conditioning. I'm like, girl, why are you crying? Well, she's crying because her feelings hurt. Well, why are your feelings hurt? Your feelings don't need to be hurt. She doesn't know how to bottle up those things and hide them. Because that's not an environment that I've cultivated for her. The environment that I've cultivated for her is one where she can express herself. And sometimes she's crying. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just crying. And that's okay. Express yourself however you need to express yourself. But I grew up where, no, don't express yourself. Who are you to, how dare you say those, like, literally. Offense, because you have an opinion, you have feelings, you feel a way towards a situation. It was shut down because you have the audacity to speak those things that are on your heart that are troubling you, that are bothering you? How dare you? I'm your parent. I provide a roof for you. I provide clothes for you. You're not allowed to have feelings that don't align with how I want you to feel. But I, dig- I digressed a little bit. And so many times I hear people say, you know, if God is real, why are people in poverty? Why are there homeless people? Why are there third world countries? Because people are greedy. Those things happen because there are people who had a position of power who, were, who was greedy. There are people who were in positions of power who were greedy and took advantage of those other people. I know that this country has whatever resources that I want. So I'm going to make an agreement with them. Hey, you know, let's barter. I need this resource and you need this resource that I have. Let's, I'll give you this if you let me go get that. But then 12 years later, you're still you're still going, going, going. And we no longer need what you had to offer us. So now you're going to wage war on us because we want you gone from our country. That's why. That's not a God thing. That's people. If God is real, then why do people murder people? It's people. The number one thing that I learned is that the devil can only make a suggestion to you. He doesn't pull your hand and make you do a thing. If you're married and an attractive person walks by, and the thought process pops in your head like, ooh, look at that person. If you look, whatever action you do after that is on you. It's on you. You made the choice. You knew you was married. Why were you looking at the other person anyway? Granted, it's okay to acknowledge, oh, this is a good looking person. But when you made up in your mind, oh, I'm going to go get that person's number. Oh, we're going to do lunch. Oh, we're going to hang out. Why? Oh, I'm going to get to know this person. Why? That's a you decision. So let's not, you know, and I pray, my prayer is that this is eye opening, right? And some of you may already know this, and some of you may not agree with it, and it's perfectly okay. It's not for everybody, but realistically, we do have to know that. People have to be accountable for their actions. Like, um, the man, I know the man name, uh, who cheated on his wife and he was like the whole guru and blah, blah, blah. And Oh, the devil made me do it. And, uh, all the thoughts made me do it. No, you did it yourself. Let's be accountable for our actions. The suggestion appeared. Oh, that's a good looking girl. I wonder if you can get her number. Whatever happens after that thought, after you didn't cast that thought down, that's on you. We got to be accountable. Oh, why Why is there pastors who molest children and people who molest children? Because the thought said, hey, I wonder if you touch that kid, will you get caught? And it's like, hmm, I wonder if. And then you do the thing. Oh, God could intervene and God could stop it. Yeah, but if you're a child and you don't feel that you can talk to your parents about things, then how can you tell them about what's going on? If you're a child and you do tell your parent about things and they call you a liar... See, it's the people that have to be accountable because there are plenty of children who told their mom that, mom, your boyfriend, daddy, your husband is doing something to me that makes me hurt. Their are parents who see it happening. We we have to be accountable for our actions. You, you have to be accountable for the role you play concerning that thing. And I'm sorry, it kind of went left, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to accountability. Saying, like, I made this mistake, I I did this, and even, and even in church, right? God told me to this, and God told me to that, right? I felt so strongly, like, oh my gosh, God told me to be a life coach, everything aligned, and yeah, 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 mm, no, God didn't tell me to be a life coach. He told me to do the podcast. Yes, I literally have literal proof from years ago that I found in old notebooks about a podcast. I'm like, whoa, this was five years ago. Life coaching? No. That that was me. And I had to be accountable because I told people God told me to be a life coach. And then I had to go back like, God did not tell me to be a life coach. Because I've been praying and seeking God for like two years for instructions on how to run this business and he hasn't given me anything but when I pray about this podcast what to talk about on this podcast to these people what do you want me to say like clockwork it just comes you my note 318 in the morning just why is this so heavy on me why is this so heavy on me boom but people don't want to be accountable and say I made a mistake one year somebody prophesied to me that I was going to get a car So I began my hunt to look for a car, right? Because it was prophesied to me for like two years straight. Oh, you're going to get a car. You're going to get a car. You're going to get a car. Cool. So we go to New Jersey. I have some money, right? My dad's getting a car. I want to get a car too, right? (laughs) Mind you, at the time I lived in North Carolina, in North Carolina, I already found the car that I wanted. I wanted a four-cylinder Ford Explorer. And just so you know, they do make Ford Explorers and four-cylinders with the third row. And I wanted a four-cylinder Ford Explorer. I found one, but I didn't want to wait. I was impatient. My dad's getting a new car. I want to get a new car too. Let me try my luck. Literally, I took Cheyenne to visit her dad. And after, after we left from visiting him, um, my sister called me, like, Oh, daddy's at the car dealership. Go ahead and meet him there. I'll never forget it was eleven eighteen AM. So I get to the dealership at like eleven twenty seven and at the dealership with my dad and we're trying to oh, it's my turn, I wanna get a car too. So like eleven thirty, we start. The man tells me, Well, you can go ahead, take a walk around a lot and see what car you want. Go ahead. There was literally not one car on that lot that I wanted. I literally did not want anything on that car lot. But, he said, go pick a car. My dad's here getting a car. It was prophesied to me that I'm going to get a car. I have to leave here with the car, right? Walked around the lot two times. Nothing that I wanted. And I was like, okay, well... um." If I have to get it, I'll get this Acura. I didn't want it. It was burgundy with tan interior. It's not what I wanted at all. But I was like, well, because I want an SUV, then I'll just get this. And it was like, well, what if you can't get it? And it was like, oh, if I can't get it, I'll just get this Honda, right? Didn't want either of them. And like 6.30 comes. It's 6.30 p.m. we here for hours. They still running paperwork, still trying to do stuff, still cannot get me in a car. But I qualify, but they just can't do it, right? And so I end up leaving with the Honda, right? And the radio doesn't work, but they're going to fix the radio. so. So I leave with this Honda, and I'm paying a car note to this Honda, and 30 days go by. And it never sent me my, my license plate. Hey, I still have a temp tag. My temp tag's expired. I drove that Honda for six months with expired temporary tags on it. My car got towed because the tags were expired. They were never able to get me alone. Even when my dad tried to co-sign for me, they still couldn't get alone. And I'm like, oh, God got me this car, God got me this car. But there was so much happening behind the scenes that nobody knew about, like only my sis and my dad, because he had to keep going up there to try to figure out what was happening with the car, because they kept calling him. I brung, When I went to bring the car back and like, what was it, April, because I got it in November. April, this is like the second or third time I I go back to New Jersey. I I gave that man those keys. I said, I don't want it. This is too much. And then he's like, you need this car. You have a child. You have work. You have to get from A to Z and this, that, and third. And he told me what I needed. He suggested to me what I needed. But I should have stood my guns and be like, nope, I don't want it. But because I listened to what he had to say, I was like, oh, okay. And I took the car back. Right? Took the car back. And so now I'm out driving this car that he talked me into getting back, knowing that I don't want it, I don't need it, and that there's things happening on the back end. And I still have a temp tag in April, and I bought the car and I got the car in November. And so by the time June gets here, I'm like, I am over it. I can't do this anymore. So the end of June, I bring the car back. Like, look, here, you have to take this back. I'm paying you. I've been paying you my car note consistently. And it's not going anywhere. You're just collecting it. It's basically like I'm renting a car from you. Like, there's there's nothing that says this is mine. And if something happens, like, I did have insurance on it. But if something happens, I have no proof that this belongs to me. The tags are expired. Like, there's there were so many things with it. And I could have just curse God and die, right? But I brought it back and I lost so much money. I lost so much. Everything that I put down on that car, they took back because depreciation on a used car, right? The mileage put on wear and tear, blah, blah, blah. Cause I had the car for six months and I was using it. And so I had to go back to the same church. That told me I was gonna get the car, the same church that I held my keys. God gave me this car. Those same people, I had to be like, listen, y'all, God didn't tell me to get that car and I brought it back. That was a me situation. That ain't have nothing to do with God. And I'll never forget the lady told me, she was like, you're so transparent. And it's like, you call it transparency, but I call it accountability. I have to be accountable for my actions and the role I played concerning certain things. But I learned that to be accountable for myself and my actions when God told me I wasn't ready for that baby. I had to learn, I had to. There was no easy way about it. There was no lollygagging about it. I had to be 1,000% accountable for my position in my life and what I did and my actions leading towards certain situations and circumstances and consequences for my actions. I had to be accountable for the consequences of my actions. I had to. And so when people say, if God is real, why? But what if we say, if people would, then? Like, if people would be kind to one another, then there would be more love. If people would forgive, then there would be less hate. There would be less sickness. Less bitterness and anger. Because uh, I learned firsthand about forgiveness. And it is not for the other person. It's for yourself. You release them of the, the, the... you know how much energy it takes to see somebody, and oh, I can't stand that person. Oh, this person get on my nerves. Oh, let me just leave, cause such and such is here. And then your whole day is ruined because I had to leave because such and such came, and who invited such and such? But when you're when you forgive people, hey, how you doing? And keep it pushing. You don't have to. You don't have to put yourself in their space, when, when forgiveness is prominent, you can acknowledge them, you can see that they're there and you can go about your business because there's nothing hindering you. Those thoughts you have of anger, of bitterness, of malice toward that person aren't lingering once you forgive, you can forgive and forget. You can forgive and remember. But just because you forgive a person doesn't mean you have to be buddy-buddy and their best friend and holding hands and going shopping and calling them for advice. You can forgive a person and never speak to them again. You can forgive a person and only be cordial. I mean, you call it. But... That is my rant today. It was just really heavy on my heart about if God is real, then why? Because I've been in that place where I thought if God is real, why? You know, and for me, I enjoyed the part about people being so concerned with an external God that they can see and touch that they overlook the fact that God lives within us. You know, he does live within us and he gives us power and he gives us authority, you know, but we have to want it. You you know, we have to invite him in and allow him to move. Like God is not going to be like, oh, my, my son or my daughter's in need. Let me step in because he doesn't have authority here. He has the authority that we give him in this earthen realm. So if we don't include him, then he's not able to do the things that he needs to do to help us in our situations. And just like people with the enemy, that suggestion comes and once they take that first suggestion and they take that next suggestion and now they're in a cult and they don't know how they got here. But if you you trace your steps back to the thing that you did prior to getting there, and the thing prior to that, and the thing prior to that, and the thing prior to that, then you'll see. It's like, um, I've been giving giving my daughter some hair gummies. And her face has been breaking out. And I'm like, oh, you're going through puberty. That's why your face is breaking out. And it's like, oh, you've been outside a lot. Maybe it's heat bumps. That's why your face is breaking out. But I had to trace my steps. I said, I'm still using the same products. You're still using the same um, body products that you've been using. What in our life is different that's causing your body to react like that? And it was those hair gummies. And then I was like, okay. I stopped giving her the hair gummies for two days and then her face completely cleared up. And then I gave them to her yesterday and her face broke out again. And so, oh, okay, this is what the culprit is. This is the thing that's causing your body to react in such a way. Okay, now I have to be accountable for that because it was my suggestion. So now we're not going to take this anymore. And it's not a bad thing. For some people, it's fine. But it, her hair doesn't need to grow that bad. I just need to do a little bit more. And, and that's it. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's a thing. I recognize that when I don't put weave in her hair, her hair grows much better. When I put weave in her hair, her hair does not grow. Her hair is healthy, but it's not moving forward. So I have to be accountable in my actions to do those things. And just, okay, this is what I was doing. It's it's convenient to just put your hair in some braids and not have to worry about it. But, except for greasing your scalp, but this is not how your hair thrives. It's how my hair thrives. You know, but my hair has been conditioned to grow in a protective style such as this. That's how my hair grows, but it's not how her hair grows. And I have to take the the necessary steps. And so, you know, we just have to be open and willing to see and recognize certain things. And sometimes that's really, really hard, you know, and I've been there not perfect at the end of the day we have a free will we have a choice we don't I don't have to obey God I don't have to be obedient I don't have to want his will for my life but when I was doing things my way life was much harder like even in my experience now when I'm going through things because I trust God I have peace so I'm not stressing because he continues to come through And no, I can't see God, but I know he's there. There are things and situations and instances where I know it was nobody but the living God of Jesus Christ who stepped in on my behalf. But that's just my story. That's just my version of it. That's just my experience. You don't have to take it as law. You don't have to acknowledge it. You can ignore it. I can only share my experience and hope that it enlightens you in some way or that it helps you in some way. That's that's all I can. I'm just a vessel. Like, I'm just being of assistance. My life is whatever God wants my life to be. Because when I was in control of my life, it didn't run well. There was no real peace. Mm. There was love, but not how I have love now. Like, I love so differently now. Like, I've always been a loving person. I literally used to get my butt whooped for being too nice, okay? So, (laughs) I have love to give, but now because I'm open to, like, seeing people how God sees people, it's like, the love level is different. You know, it's like, I can see past, like, I don't want to say I can see past people's, you know, exterior. But, the love I have to give is unconditional. It's not situational. You know, you, you date people, you come in contact with people who only love you, if, right? But God loves in spite of. And that's how I love. And I love that because my friend Daniel used to always be like, you got to be love, Jazz. You got to be love. And at the time, I'm like, Daniel, what are you talking about? Bro, like, what does that even mean? I, I used to be so mad. Like, he used to always say that, just be love, just be love. Like, shut up, because that sounds stupid. Right? I said it like way worse. Like, shut up, it sounds stupid. But, like, what is it to be love? Well, in order to be love, to exude love, you have to receive said love. Well, how do I receive said love? Like, how does that look? And so I went through this process and this journey of, like, loving myself and then allowing myself to receive love from God, right? Receive His love, His unconditional love, His unmerited love, His love that He has for me in spite of... regardless so once I allowed that love in and that love looked like hey God I need help and then he helps me or can you show me this I don't understand it can you make it clear and I get revelation and then with me love comes through trust and because I can trust God I can love God you know and because I trust on so many different levels, it's like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, I get cheesy. I tell people all the time, Jesus is bae. You know, like, you can't do that. I can do that. I can do what I want. (laughs) I got free will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But, no, seriously, it's like the love, the love is like there. And so, I'm able to receive love. I'm able to meet people who just give love, who are love, because they've received love and they know what that's like, so they they can exude that. I'm able to meet people who are on my level. And so, it's a beautiful thing, and it makes me really, really happy. And so, yeah, we have free will. We We have the choice. You know, life happens to us all and we have to choose which side we're going to be on. We can curse God and die, you know, not physically, but like spiritually, or we can just receive him and allow him in and just remember that he's not going to, God is not going to enter your situation until you invite him because God is a spirit. And when he created the earth, he gave us dominion over the earth, which means we rule it. Like, we are the bosses. But, you know, as with all things, people misuse power. Like, you always have that one boss who, because they're the boss, they think they can treat people any kind of way. That happens in real life. Like, that's that's why. That's why. You know? So... I don't know. That's all I really have for today. You know, just my experience on, well, if God is real, then why is this happening to me? And then recognizing that I have to be accountable in that, in the role that I've played and I had to be accountable for my actions. And I also had to be accountable for the consequences to my actions, you know, because for every, for every action, there is a reaction. And so I had to be accountable in that way. But the best thing, the best thing was my experience of losing my son because it made me better and not bitter. And even though I was sad, I now have joy. Like for me, I I really don't know how to explain it any other way. Where there are people who, because they've lost a child, are miserable. And I'm not adding to or taking from away from their experience because they're allowed to have their experience. It's their experience. It's their life. It's their journey. But I can say that there is light. And like I told you guys earlier, like I would go get the stuff, but it, it makes me sad because I gave birth to a baby that I never got to bring home. And I look at my daughter now and she's the only child and she wants a sibling. And it's like, I had a sibling for you, you know, but he's not here. But I'm thankful for that experience because it made me such a better person. It made me a better person. And... I'm okay with that. So, this is the Life of Growth and Peace podcast. I am Jazzy Jazz or Coach Ghazi. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, any suggestions, you can go ahead and shoot me an email at lifeofpeace2020 at gmail.com. And that's like Life of Peace and clear vision, you know growth and peace. <laughs> but yeah, life of peace 2020 at gmail.com. I do have an Instagram It's at growth and peace. And yeah, you know, I love you guys. I appreciate you. I'm so thankful that you guys are like consistently rocking with me, like consistently here consistently having my back, giving me suggestions, like teaching me and helping me in many ways. I'm, I'm very grateful for you guys. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you. And I love you. If nobody told you, I do love you. Like, I genuinely love you. And I hope you, I hope you know that. And my prayer today is that you have a day of peace. That something amazing happens to you, for you, through you. That God just shows up in your life. And you recognize that it's him and you allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to you and help you in so many positive ways. And yeah, that's it. That's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. I hope your day is amazing. I pray that God blesses you in a miraculous and fabulous way. And that's all I have for today. So, Later, Gators. Bye for now.